Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, bringing some October holiday horror. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning back in for another episode, episode 84 of The Haunted Collection. I've been enjoying doing this, and I especially love doing it around the holiday times, especially Halloween. I was going to do one more episode in September, because I usually do at least two a month, but it got to the end of September, and I said, ah, I can't help it. I want to wait till October and get into that Halloween month to make it that much more special. So here I am. And I'd like to invite you to check out my website, myhaunteddolls.com. You can go out there and shop. It's getting close to Christmas, just a couple of months away, so if you're looking for a stocking stuffer or just a cheap gift, (laughs) head on over to my store at myhaunteddolls.com. And I actually have, just in time for the holidays coming up, a new book Yes, another new book. This one is called Weep Not, Fear Not. Scriptures of My Life and Others Too. Just a little inspirational book I decided to write. Different from what I normally do, but I just wanted to share some inspiration with my writing. So be sure to check that out. Let's get back to the Halloween horror fun. I want to make sure you follow the link at my website to the my YouTube channel, the My Haunted Dolls channel. Just last week, I captured some awesome activity during an investigation of an, a haunted jack-in-the-box. Something caused the decorative ball on my coffee table to jump off the table on camera. Very ghostly. Please check that out. My Haunted Dolls on YouTube. You can follow the link on the link page on my website. Now, are you ready for some ghostly terror? I'm going to share a story from you. I think this started in the UK, but it's probably, there's probably a version of this in every country. Or maybe not. Maybe you've never heard this story before. If not, you're in for a nice little gruesome treat. Now, not many people ride the train anymore, at least not in the USA, but at one time, the train was a very prominent form of transportation, especially cross-country, and this story takes place during that time. It's called The Passenger in Black. This little tale was one of the favorites of Lord Halifax. 
He was a celebrated English collector of ghostly tales. Each Christmas, he would bring down his collection and read from it. The stories would terrify and delight his own children and any others who happened to be staying with them. This story concerns a certain Colonel Ewart, the relative of a close friend of Lord Halifax. The Colonel was a rather stuffy man. He didn't like traveling on trains. What he disliked most was sharing his compartment with strangers. But sometimes a trip was necessary on the train. One day, the Colonel had to take a train from the city of Carlisle to London. When he arrived at the train station, he was relieved to find that the train was not crowded. He found an empty compartment without much trouble. And alone, the Colonel was happy. He took off his coat and boots in order to be more comfortable, and then he took out a copy of his newspaper, The Times, and settled down for a pleasant journey. The trip was a long one. The train was warm, and it rocked gently as it sped toward London. The Colonel found himself dozing over his newspaper. Soon the paper slipped from his hands, and he was fast asleep. Colonel Ewart awoke slowly, and he was not sure how long he had been asleep. It must have been for over an hour. He had slept very soundly, but now his neck and back were stiff, and his mouth was very dry. The colonel looked for his newspaper, and it was then that he first realized he was no longer alone in his compartment. Sitting across from him was a woman in a black dress. Her face was almost completely hidden by a thick black veil. The colonel had no idea how this woman could have gotten into the compartment without waking him. But that, however, was not his first concern. Colonel Ewart was a very proper gentleman, and it was not proper for a gentleman to sit in the same compartment with a lady without his coats and his boots. So he quickly pulled on his coat and fumbled around for his boots. <coughs> I'm sorry, he mumbled. I didn't realize you had come in. I thought I was alone. The woman in black said nothing. Thinking that his fellow passenger might be a bit deaf, the colonel repeated his apology more loudly this time. Still, she did not reply. The woman in black did not even look up at him. She seemed to be staring at her lap, 
at something hidden in the folds of her skirt. Then the woman began rocking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. She started to sing softly as well. Colonel Ewart could not make out the words of the song, but they sounded familiar, like some sort of strange lullaby. He was suddenly struck by the fear that she had a baby with her. The colonel hated babies. He imagined an infant crying and screaming all the way to London. Whatever the woman was holding, she was holding it very closely. He was unable to see what she had in her lap. If she was traveling with a baby, surely she must have some equipment for it. He reflected that most new mothers seem to need trunkloads of equipment for even the shortest trip. But he could see no sign of this. He could see no luggage of any kind in the compartment except for his own. Stranger and stranger, the colonel thought. He was not ordinarily a curious man, but this woman had aroused what curiosity he had. He really did want to see what she held in her lap. Suddenly, all curious thoughts were wiped from his mind when there was a screech of metal wheels against metal rails. This was followed by a crash and a terrific jolt. Colonel Ewart was thrown violently backward and then forward. His, suitcase, his suitcase was knocked from the rack and struck him sharply on the head. For a moment, the colonel was unconscious. When he awoke, he realized there had been a train accident. As a military man, the colonel had faced physical danger many times, and he did not panic very easily. He rose up slowly, his only injury seemed to be a bump on the head where he had been hit by the suitcase. Then he carefully left the compartment. Outside, everything was in confusion. People were running about, shouting left and right. At the front end of the train, there had been some injuries. The colonel went forward to see if he could help, and then he remembered the woman in the black dress. So he rushed back to the compartment in which he had been sitting. It was completely empty. He realized that he did not see her after the crash. Perhaps she had fled before he awoke. The colonel searched among the passengers who were wandering about outside the train, but he could not find her. He talked to the trainmen, 
but they had not seen her either. In fact, no one had seen her. Moreover, the trainman told the colonel that after he had boarded the train at Carlisle, his compartment door had been locked, which was customary. No one, no one could have entered his compartment. Yet he had clearly seen the woman in black. He was puzzled and deeply troubled. The trainmen acted oddly. They did not want to talk about what might have happened. It was several months before Colonel Ewart learned the awful truth. He had described his experience many times. One day he told it to a railway official that he had met. Upon hearing the story, the man turned ghostly pale. So it happened again, the official said. Uh, what happened again? demanded the colonel. The railway official said that a few years before Colonel Ewart's meeting with the passenger in black, there had been a particularly horrible accident on the Carlisle to the London run. A bride and bridegroom had been traveling on the line. It was the young man's first trip to London, so he wanted to see everything. He stuck his head out too far out of the window, and it was caught by a wire. The impact completely severed his head. The headless body fell back into his young bride's lap. No one else on the train knew what had happened until the train pulled in to London. They found the young woman sitting in the compartment, holding her husband's headless body. She was rocking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and singing a strange lullaby to his corpse. You see, the shock had driven her completely mad. The poor lady was committed to an institution, but she lived only a few months. She never regained her sanity. She would sit for hours on end, rocking back and forth, back and forth, and singing that same lullaby. After her death, from time to time, passengers on that same line from Carlisle to London on the train had reported seeing the tragic and awful figure still sitting there, holding something and rocking back and forth, singing her strange lullaby into the dark of the night.
Now, if that's not a great, wonderful, creepy story to start the Halloween season with, I don't know what the hell is. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, oh, thank you. Your applause is not needed. <laughs> oh, it looks like we've got time for just one more story to add to this. So let's continue. This next story brings us some more great ghostly terror. So let's get right on down to it. It's called, Why Did He Come Back? When you got right down to it, no one really liked Father McSweeney but no one could explain why. He was a conscientious and hard-working priest. He attended to the needs of his parishioners. Penniless strangers could always find a meal and a bed at the parish house. His sermons were correct and well thought out. Perhaps they were a bit chilly. They did not touch the heart but they showed that much hard work had gone into them. Long after most of the citizens of the small town in western Ireland had gone to bed, a light could be seen burning in Father McSweeney's window. He seemed to be at work constantly. What is more, he was not an outsider. He was the son of a farming family that had lived in the area for as long as anyone could remember. Yet even as a boy, he had been rather strange and distant. No one much liked him then, except his mother, of course, and she adored him. When he announced that he wished to go into the priesthood, his mother was overjoyed. The people of the neighborhood thought they had seen the last of him, but they were wrong. Ultimately, he was appointed priest in the parish in which he was born. People came to him dutifully, but they were never comfortable. Some even felt afraid of him, though they would not admit it. The worst of it was that no one knew why. No one could point to anything that he ever did or said that was wrong. It was just a feeling that he gave people. While he was still a fairly young man, Father McSweeney suddenly took sick. His illness was a mystery. Doctors were called in, and they all offered a different opinion, but none of them could find a treatment that helped. Through it all, Father McSweeney was silent. He acted as if he knew he was going to die. And die he did. Within a few weeks of becoming ill, he just wasted away. Only his aged mother was truly heartbroken. All the others hoped the next time they would be sent a friendlier priest, 
one who would not make them feel so strange and uncomfortable. In the meantime, Father McSweeney's burial had to be attended to. Though Father McSweeney was not loved, it was decided to have a big funeral for him. He had, after all, been the priest for years. He also had many relatives in the area, and maybe people felt a bit guilty for not having liked him, though he had served them to the best of his ability. Father McSweeney's funeral procession started from his mother's house. She was too old and frail to attend the graveside services, but practically everyone else in the area did. The long processions of cars and carts wound through the hills up to the cemetery where Father McSweeney's ancestors had been buried for generations. The services were long and very formal. When it was over, people felt more relieved than sad. All that was left was to travel back to the priest's mother's house for some food and drink. The hour was quite late when the funeral party left the cemetery. As they started down the winding road, the sun was setting and the sky was growing dark. The returning funeral procession came down out of the hills into a valley. It was then that the two men in the lead car saw a lone figure coming along the road toward them. This was usually a deserted area. Walkers were rare, especially in the evening. Well, who could that be? said one of the men. Oh, we'll see in a moment. He will be in our headlights, replied the driver. The figure drew closer until they could recognize it. Lord have mercy on us, gasped the driver. It's himself. The figure on the road was indeed a familiar one. It was someone they had seen for years. It was the figure of the man they had just buried, Father McSweeney. There was no doubt about it, yet he was changed, horribly changed. His always pale skin was an ashen white. His eyes were wide open and unblinking. They glittered with an unnatural brightness. His lips were drawn back, exposing strong white teeth and bloodless gums. This terrifying figure walked the full length of the funeral procession. It did not turn its head or give any other sign of recognition. Everyone except the few who were dozing saw it. No one stopped. At first, no one said a word, and then the whispers began. Did you see him? Yes, I saw him too. I thought I was dreaming. So did I. Not dreaming, having a nightmare. It couldn't have been him. We buried him. 
he's dead. Well, who or what was it then? No one in the procession thought it wise to turn back and follow the ghastly figure. It disappeared down the road. The trembling mourners finally reached the house of Mrs. McSweeney. They all agreed to say nothing, for the poor woman had had enough grief. She did not need this horrible story. They knocked at the farmhouse door. There was no reply. They knocked again. Still nothing. Something was wrong. One of the women looked through the window, and she saw Mrs. McSweeney lying face down on the floor. We'll have to break in, she shouted, and they did. The old woman was not dead. She was unconscious. It took nearly half an hour to bring her around. What happened? they asked. I had a visitor, she said. The members of the funeral party shuddered. They now knew where the terrible figure on the road had been coming from. A visitor? Yes, there was a knock at the door. I thought everyone was at the funeral. I couldn't think who it might be, so I looked out through the window on the side, and I saw him. My son! I knew it couldn't be him, but it was. You saw his face? The old woman hesitated. Then she began to cry. Yes, I saw his face. It was my son, but he was changed. His face looked so different, so fierce. His features were all twisted. His eyes were wide open, and his lips drawn back. And his skin, he was as white as a... As a ghost, someone said. Yes, I believe I saw the ghost of my own son. What did you do? I was going to let him in. Ghost or not, he is my son. But as I went to the door, my legs became weak. I was so frightened. I must have fainted. But I did see him. Oh, we believe you, said someone in the group. We saw him too on the road, just a few miles from here. He must have been walking away from the house. Father McSweeney was never seen again. But for years, people talked about that night. The ghost wore an expression of inhuman cruelty on its face. Perhaps this was something that was hidden in the man's lifetime. Yet it lay there, just beneath the surface. That may have been why people did not like him, even feared him, though he had done nothing. They sensed the hidden cruelty. 
Father McSweeney had always been a secret man. His death and his brief reappearance left a frightening mystery. a good creepy story too I hope you enjoyed these tales and I hope you'll be back for more because we still got a few we still have most of the month of October left so there's plenty of time for scary stories and I shall return before jack-o'-lantern night Halloween night until then keep those doors and windows locked tight If you hear a knock in the middle of the night, don't answer. Don't look. Stay away from those old trains. Keep out of the darkness. But by all means, have a happy haunting.